Hello, everyone. Today is June 2nd, 2019. I'm your host and moderator, Anthony Strain. Today, I'm joined by Matteo DeGaulle and Matthew Trewick. This is Crowdsource Politics. Crowdsource Politics is a podcast born out of the political debate group Crowdsource Politics, a funky little corner of the Facebook political debate community with varied political points of view and moderation style. We hope to translate debates into a discussion and infotainment. Shout out to CNN with our own brand. Today's episode is the first in our pilot series where we will take three to four Democratic primary contenders picked at random and discuss the ins and outs of their policy and personality. We are starting off the series by looking at Biden, Kobachar, and Williamson. Without further ado, let's start the show. Let's go ahead and start. What about Biden? Anybody object to starting with Biden first? I, I think it's great that the DNC is just going to be running the male Hillary Clinton again. Um, I think we had this before. His name was Bill. So we're really going to go down that road already? We're going to go straight into... <laughs> to, to Biden being Clinton 2.0. Well, he's a Democratic partisan, and that's like you know, he's a mainstream Democrat. It's pretty much just anyone they would have. Yeah, run. I mean, Hillary was at one time a lot more leftist than she was during the uh, 2016 primaries, but that's not her anymore. Ever since the State Department, I'd say she moved further to the right. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Um, that might have been somewhat calculated, though, because she had higher political ambitions and basically wanted to hedge herself as a centrist more in the mold of her husband. I agree. I think everything the Clintons do is calculated. Oh, it's extremely. Uh, have you heard about how she kept a database of every politician, ranking them according to their interactions, how many times they agreed to vote with her, blah, 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 that she would cross-reference whenever she had to meet them? Uh, I believe it. Yeah, like that's... Um, I don't know if it's true, but genius. I believe it. I, I can get the citation for that. Yeah, I, I like that because I'm very... I suspect a lot from them, so that would help me a lot with my arguments. I'm not a Clinton fan. Um, anyways. But how does this go back into Biden? Uh, we're just talking about milquetoast Democrats, pretty much. And basically, Biden is the next, hit, like, the male Hillary. So here's the thing. I actually think Biden is an extremely calculative political operative, too. Um, I don't think he's quite as good at it as she is, but he has a lot more raw charisma. Like, whenever Joe Biden makes one of those gaffes the TV eats up, it just always comes across like this is something he prepared for to uh, make himself look more like a regular person. I think he enjoys, like, wasting his time rubbing elbows while Hillary Clinton is more of a technician and she just wants to, like, do actual work. Yeah, uh, Hillary was extremely wonkish. Um... I don't get that impression from Biden. Yeah, she's a bad politician. Biden's a pretty good politician. Yeah, I don't think anybody could disagree with that. Clinton was terrible at politicking. Great at, great at uh, policy, though. I mean, it worked really, really well in New York, you know, where everyone was going to vote for her anyways. And people made way for her, kind of, uh, that my understanding. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Works really, really well when everyone's going to vote for you anyways. 
you think that Biden is as calculating as Clinton is? or um, I think he's very calculating. I don't think he is to the same degree. Allegedly, he claimed to be headed to be uh, the youngest senator, I think, at the time. And he totally did it. So he's been planning this for a long time. <laughs> he's already claimed to be the most progressive person running, so... Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Even Fact Check was like, uh, no. He was talking about breaking up Iraq back in 2007, like partitioning it pretty much. I'm sorry, 2006. He supports the Patriot Act, uh, no universal health care, you know. Yeah, the Patriot Act, that is... So that, that bastion of leftism. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are parts of the Patriot Act I could support, but a lot of it is just trash. Here's the thing. I think um, we, yeah. the whole country is basically tacitly supporting it at this point. It's uh, become so normalized, it's background noise. Uh, very much true. And, and to say like how much people would support, a lot of it was honestly dealing with agencies talking to one another not so much the other things that went into it but it was that one section and i can't remember it off the top of my head right now which the exact section it was but it was the, the one dealing with the libraries and that's what opened up the can of worms yeah for the nsa to do it's just been sort of this weird shit show because everyone's responses to the patriot act mostly depends on which party's in power there's a few hardcore libertarians. Kind of, uh, but... So, is Joe Biden's uh, history of gaffes going to be an issue? Is his touchy-feely nature, is that a major sticking point? Is that a little overblown? Does it matter if it's a little overblown? It's totally overblown. That's what Russian propaganda machines, if they do try to involve themselves in the elections, are going to aim for. Because the people who believe that shit and really dig at that shit are the most gullible. They're almost like cultists. Or they're Trump supporters concerned trolling. Yeah, well then you have the trolls too, and they would just help them. That would just give in aid to the... this era of Me Too, are you really sure you want someone who treats women like this? Like, okay, shut the fuck up. I know who you support. Don't underestimate the bias of politicos. They're just going to go with it. You should see what they excuse. You, you see For these sure. people when they talk about uh, Franken or whatever? Um, okay, it's a very different response. Um, if you're this middle-of-the-lane Democrat white male who's in like Al his Franken? 50s. Yeah, if you're, if you're Al Franken. Yeah, look how Julebrand has been just demolished and demonized for fucking daring to go against him when he literally was, like, harassing a woman sexually on tape. Uh, okay, I, I don't think that one, uh, that specific tape, I think, was overblown because that was the course of a comedy gag no, or a comedy I'm show. about the picture of him, like, fucking with a sleeping woman. That's where that came from, I thought. Oh, you mean, like... Yeah, it's this, it's all in the same thing. So the the picture of him on on the the uh, the C one thirty with with her, he is gagging well, yeah. that he's actually ever, touching wait, wait, her. Wait, wait, wait. Why but, are you guys saying that? Nobody's under the impression that he was actually touching her. I think some people are. Nah, well, those people don't matter. I'm talking about the harassing act that he did. Like you, you can't fuck with people like that, especially like when they're supermodels. It's a little more obvious what's going on there 
Oh yeah, no, I don't think what he did was was at all any any way justifiable or correct, and he rightly apologized for that. But ever, but there was a bunch of people that also jumped onto the bandwagon that said about their own instances, and a couple of those were anonymous sources that huffed. Yeah, um, I want to say. I looked into the known backgrounds, and of the ones that are known, half of the women who came forward were Democrats. Uh, one of them works for Mother Jones. One of them was a political yes. aide. And uh, I can't remember the others off the top of my head. We've really strayed far from uh, my prepared talking points. And now Julebrand is demonized for it. So they definitely will protect Biden if they protect Al Franken like that, even though Franken stepped down like an idiot. So I have two theories on uh, that. One, it's Biden sexism. Whenever you listen to a lot of these really old white guys talk about the Al Franken thing, the most common response you hear is just, so if I kiss my wife, you're going to accuse me of sexual assault now, huh? 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 Total non sequitur. Yeah, it's like uh, eight women came forward and said he grabbed their ass while they were taking a photo. What the fuck does that have to do with kissing your wife? Yeah, exactly. Number two, Kirsten Gillibrand's been very unfairly demonized by this when she should be demonized for her horrific candidacy. Failure to launch doesn't even explain it. <laughs> yeah, but I think the reason that she's had failure to launch is partly oh, big time. Of the they demonized her. They literally blackballed her. Like, this is just pure, pure partisanship. And that's why Biden will be protected because he is a standard bearer right now. These people will fall on the sword for him if they fell on the sword. I don't think like it was just partisanship, though. Um, I think a lot of this is she was blackballed by rich corporate donors who probably are thinking back to their own past and things they may have done to women under their control. Oh, definitely. Well, that's no, we were saying because they were going to protect him. We were talking about his uh, touchy-feely attitude, whether it's going to be, you know, consequential, and I think it's not. Like, some people are going to focus on it, but those are like peanut gallery, you know, who cares about those people kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah, it's going to be Trump-level stuff. And it's already been baked in, like, Creepy Joe has been a meme since, like, 2010. It's creepy and it's fun to poke fun at, but that's it. It is fun to poke fun at. Um, I will say this, though. I find people who constantly touch you when they're talking to you annoying as shit. Oh, yeah. No, I'd just step away. That's fucking weird as fuck. But it's not like a deal breaker for the presidency. I'd be like, stop, man. <laughs> Do you think his Wall Street ties are going to be a bigger sticking point? I think they will eventually once the uh, debates actually start. I honestly think a lot of the polls right now don't matter all that much the sanders wing has a weird religious kind of uh, aversion to wall street so that's going to be a big part uh, sticking point with them um it's not actually that hard to tie the connections to him and wall street so his biggest contributor was uh, during his senate campaigns mnba it was owned by the bank of america who uh when he was crafting all of the legislation that was extremely favorable to, to them Things like uh, reforming uh, bankruptcy laws to make it harder for people to default. Things like repealing the Graham-Leach-Bailey Act, uh, the financial services. Graham-Leach-Bailey was effectively dead. Um, they'd given waivers the year before to certain companies, but I don't think it was effectively dead at that point. And also, 
after uh, Dodd-Frank, it's the problem's taken care of. We don't need Graham Leach Bilili for that. For those not listening and might not be aware, what exactly is that act that you're re- referencing? Okay, it's uh, basically where um, commercial banks, investment banks, security firms, and insurance companies could consolidate into one giant business. And the natural effect of this was this is where you get the entities that are just too big to fail. But that only regulated banks, a lot of all the entities that really collapsed the financial. I mean, it also... It also affected insurance and normal securities firms. Yeah, but not shadow banking. It was financial institutions in general. It was a complete workaround. It didn't really do much. But uh, Dodd-Frank now also lets you, it separates those activities, but it also allows certain interactivities to occur. So you could still actually modernize the banking system without just straight separating them like uh, Graham Leach Belilly did. Okay, I will say this. It's very heavily disputed how much a this had on the financial crisis there's um a lot of arguments and the basic gist of it is people's arguments tend to very heavily reflect either a where they are on the uh political spectrum or b whether or not they voted for it if you voted for it uh all those politicians are heavily defensive of it like biden and clinton uh bill if you didn't vote for it, you tend to be very critical of what happened afterwards. And if you work for the Cato Institute, it had nothing to do with it. If you work for any left-leaning political economics group, you probably have a much different take on it. Since 1933, though, we've been able to see a lot of other like countries try different things and do a lot of different things, and we've been able to see what's successful. Relying on the Glass-Steagall Act is of 33, just because... Uh, it separates the two. Yeah, a lot of other countries don't separate them whatsoever. Yeah, and I, I think certain activities should be separated, like what we've done in Dodd-Frank. But, you know, uh, Glass-Steagall is very outdated. It was something had to be done around the millennium. That being said, it's important to remember that while all of these banks were um, donating all this money to his campaign and he was writing bills that were very favorable towards them, they also hired his son on to uh, work as a consultant. In, in fact, his son gets hired for a lot of things. Yeah, no, that doesn't look good at all. Craven political opportunism. Yes, and it doesn't prove anything, but I think this might be something to watch out for in the primaries. I think that, yeah, I think that could be a big sticking point for a lot of uh, opposition. So you think this will come up like Clinton's, the Clinton Foundation did? This has the potential to at least be bigger than the uh, Clinton Institute because... There, you can always argue about, well, it's a charity, it's doing all these good things, blah, 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 blah. It's very hard to argue that his son getting all of these jobs did anything good for anyone except him. If you want to find financial wrongdoing, you look to charities. Like, that's what I learned in uh, financial accounting one of my first days. It's, yeah, it really gives them a lot of cover. That makes a lot I mean, of it's sense, actually. usually used for good, but a lot of bad people will abuse the system. Anything that is exploitable can and will be exploitable by those that want to exploit it. And like I said earlier about the Clintons, I suspect a lot of bad things from them. I suspect a lot of bad things, too. But to be honest, you don't even have to suspect bad things about them. You can just look at the long history of really shady shit. 
so let's go ahead and get back to to Biden for for a minute. Um, what do you guys think about the issues surrounding the crime bill? Because I know that's really in contention, especially between moderates and leftists right I now. I think people who oppose it don't really know how to make sense of the physical world. Like they'll see something and then they see that incarcerations correlate with it. And then they're automatically like, oh, it must be evil. And it must be born of bad intentions. And it must be caused by that when they're just being intellectually lazy at best. I think this perfectly summarizes the opposite side too, though. Um, let's face it, people aren't intrinsically good at with statistics. So whenever they look at stats, they automatically find ways that. to parse it into what they already believe. Um, historically, there's a very sharp divide between how it's seen now and how it was seen at the time. Um, a lot of people blame it for mass incarceration of black people and claim it was racist. And uh, yes, yes, it did play a role in mass incarceration. But this was also something that was very heavily supported in the black community at the time. You had a lot of church leaders who were organizing rallies around this. This was the middle of the crack epidemic. People were regularly getting shot up. No one, people were afraid to go outside of their homes. Definitely, the lobbying did start um, when the crack epidemic was was still still ongoing. The bill eventually passed when it kind of started slowing down a bit. Yes, though. yes. I think it passed 94. Uh, it started slowing down 91. But another thing that should be mentioned is that the black community was kind of split about how much of it should be punishment and how much of it should be like restorative and uh, rehabilitation and jobs and that sort of thing. They were asking for both, but they only got the punitive measures passed. Anytime you criminalize something in a society where we do whatever the cause is, have a lot more people who are African-American committing more crimes, like in a higher percentage, you're going to have these laws affect them more. Like, it's mass incarceration of everyone, but it's the same disproportion that we've always had. You're never going to have a different disproportion when you change a law like that. Well, then, but then there's the whole, and it, this happened before the, the crime bill, but the crack and, and uh, cocaine disparity, it was 100 to 1, and that was written into the law specifically in order to uh, tackle the, the crack gang um, fighting. That was going well, on yeah crack seemed a lot worse at the time true but then you have to consider the the situation of where crack kind of came from and i'm not getting into conspiracy theories iran contra happened rick ross is an actual person like these things actually a good job at advertising the type of lifestyle that these people came to associate it with you could say it's because of skin color but i think when you're under that impression it was a wrong impression don't get me wrong but they were under that impression they made a reasonable decision. I don't think it was a racist decision. Um, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. So That's what I'm saying. It's more complicated. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's entirely a racist decision, but if you want to argue say it played that no role, no one is, racism played crack no role in it, clearly seemed worse. Uh, fear. fear probably played the biggest role. The crime wave played a pretty big role. Um, people's obsession with punishments played a big role. Let's say racism. This was a very black issue at the time. And when you have something that is a very black issue and seen as a very strong negative deterrent upon society, I'm going to say white people want to 
punish that a little bit more than they do the opiate epidemic? Well, the opiate epidemic is prescription drugs, right? People naturally are going to soften their views on that. It's not just uh, prescription drugs. So the opiate epidemic, whenever they crack down on prescription drugs, it winds up becoming heroin. And then whenever they wind up cracking down on heroin, it becomes prescription drugs. I think his point was that it was started by a uh, prescription. He's a glut. Yeah, prescription yeah, glut. Yeah, exactly. There's some. There's an innocence to that where there isn't to fucking crack dealing and distribution, especially at the time when crack was the new thing. They didn't know about it. Whenever there's a new drug, people freak out about it and they think it's everywhere. Look at crocodile or whatever or that shit where the guy ate the face salvia yeah yeah people just panic like this it wasn't a, oh my god black people it was a, oh my god this is everywhere in our kid and it was it was being popularized uh you're thinking of flocka for there's the record. Like a million of them all i'm saying is just people's fear response is a, is a reason why there's a part of it cocaine was associated with a much less violent lifestyle because it wasn't being advertised as much in a lot of like yeah i think that's a pretty big one it was subcultural at the time but a lot of musical communities that were getting very popular among younger people. I think you also need to mention the fact that people did lie about crack. There was the famous George uh, H. Bush ad where he's like, we found this crack right outside the White House, and it was an entire setup. That's hilarious. I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> uh, they, like, I think after looking around for hours... They finally had to pay a drug dealer from another city. Yeah, I think it was actually Maryland. And then That's buy it from him hilarious. there. That's too good. Yeah, yeah. Like, Look, we found this right over here. It's like, yeah, after you had to beg the guy to come over here. See, that's what I'm saying. They were just so scared. You could just stoke fears. They didn't even have, like, people with drugs are weird. They think it's always spreading and taking over everything. I, I just wish that George Bush got arrested for crack possession. Can't arrest a sitting president. <laughs> <laughs> but onto onto like the the divide between between the right or not the right, I'm sorry, the leftist and the more moderate wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, do you think that um, that will play out in the polls as as much as as it we can anticipate, or do you think it's going to be a blowover because of how people actually vote? Like, do you think there will be any kind of good way for biden to argue his way out of the box they're trying to put him in with this issue biden's just gonna have to pretend to be progressive and listen to the progressives denying it for good reason but does he have to since uh he since will that because we know that he's gonna well 60 percent of the vote was well the 60 percent of the vote during 2016 was over the age of 45, I think. So Joe Biden's not going to focus on them at all. So you think he's just going to ignore it? Or he's not going to try to argue that he what he did he's was good? He's not going to give a shit about the uh, left wing. He's going to unapologetically support it while telling them exactly what it was good for and trying to reason with them. But he's, he's not. He's... When it comes to these political factions, it's not about reason. It's more about cues. That's why AOC does so great. Exactly. Bernie Sanders is going to leverage all he, all he can from Biden, and Biden's going to pretend to be progressive. But in the end, Biden's going to be the same regular, moderate, middle-of-the-road Democrat, which is not a bad thing. All Biden's going to do is just say, I'm the most progressive guy, and then he's going to keep pivoting and bullshitting. He, he, he's not actually going to make himself sound progressive. I give women free shoulder massages. Who else can you say does that? 
Ah, uh, <laughs> bad. Um, yeah, um, Joe Biden's whole shtick here has just been, fuck young people, fuck you, fuck everyone who isn't already on my team. Like, have you guys heard all the shit he says about young people? I feel like young people are moving either further left progressive or they're becoming like, uh, I don't want to say alt right because that word's been kind of hijacked, like new right. So he kind of has to play that card and it's not going to, it's going to do good for him. So do you ultimately think that Biden's going to fizzle out or do you think he's, do you think he's going to gaff his way out like he did in 2008 or do you think it's going to, he's going to be the strong contender, but not as strong as he's showing in the polls right now? I think he might fizzle, like it's very good. There, the chances of him fizzling out are actually really good because who was leading the polls at this time last uh, election they were in? Wasn't it, uh, I forget his name now. Uh, Walker. What? Is it Walker? You're talking about O'Malley? I think he's talking about Republicans. Oh, Republicans? No, then I'm just going to go with Jeb. I mean, Biden can be the next Jeb. There is something, like, people do get tired. People do get bored of, like, you know, regular shit. Someone's going to say something very eye-catching or very attention-grabbing, and it's going to create a lot of headlines, and they're going to have their times. And really, it's it's almost like whoever is just poking their nose ahead at the end. And Biden has a good chance, of course, but people get tired easy. So I think Biden's biggest problems here, well, his biggest strengths, at least, are going to be that he's well-known. Um, a lot of his competition are going to be made up of people who are just like Joe Biden, but nobody's ever heard of them. And he's going to outlast them easily, and he's going to take all of their support. Um, I think he's going to have a very brutal beating in the primaries. I think we've exhausted what we have to talk about for Biden right now and the amount of time that we have. So let's go ahead and move over to Kolbochar. Matthew, why don't you go ahead and take the first stab at this? Um, um, mainly Matthew. Oh, wait, Matthew right <laughs> <laughs> I'm he meant greater Matt, not lesser Matt. Anyways, so Amy is in many ways a female Joe Biden. She's a lot more leftist than he is. Uh, she's very pro-union, very pro-environment. Um, she tends to be a lot more forthright in her answers. She's more in tune with specific policies. I can kind of she's agree with that. kind of wonkish. But she does not support single payer. Um, she's at least come out saying she does not want any amnesty for companies that hire illegal immigrants, which is, um, something of a reasonable compromise between what the left wants. She's very forgiving of the actual illegal uh, immigrants, but she supports Syrian refugees. Um, here's the problem that she's going to run into. She's very tough on crime. She's a former prosecutor. She has a lot of Biden's same vulnerabilities on these issues, and everyone who works for her hates her. That is very much true. Do you think that it's? But do you think the the critique that Kamala got, Kamala the cop, Klobuchar the cop? Do you think that's going to yeah, stick? Yeah, because Amy Klobuchar is not just a prosecutor; she's also someone whose reputation for punishing her staff in the same ways is probably going to echo in the exact same sense. Things like um, throwing binders at people, repeatedly berating them over every minor issue. She has literally the highest staff turnover of anyone in the past 15 years. Which says a lot about her temperament. And people four years ago almost were uh, saying that temperament matters. <laughs> and a lot of those people now love Amy. 
I I don't know if any a lot of people love Amy. I think that um, part of the issue with 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 Amy on Sporters, this was the fact that a lot of people were misconstruing it to be a sexist attack against her because no one ever says that a dude that goes off on his staff is anything but passionate. But I think they weren't actually. I don't think they're actually reading what was being said about her i think they were just reading the headlines and being like oh this is no different than beto going off in a staff every once in a while i'm like uh, no this was pretty bad yeah i don't think anyone treats people like that and they get notorious for it when it happens like amy has she's just a woman and they're gonna pull that card whenever they can i mean if you have literally the highest staff turnover rate of anyone in the senate it's probably not just a sexist attack this is something that would be news for literally anyone. She bullies her subordinates. I'm pretty sure that that's pretty a fucking big deal because people fight tooth and nail to become uh, congressional staffers. So the funny thing is I was reading some articles on it and they were actually um, interviewing former staff members and asking them, you know, what were just the good things? What was the bad things? What do you think of it? And they tried putting this underneath the good column that they'd found people who said the whole abuse thing from her led to such a sense of camaraderie <laughs> amongst all of the people who had to deal with her. And I'm like, that's not actually a positive. That's unless it was her plan all along. <laughs> but no, like I've I've had a boss like that before. Um, he's one of the absolute shittiest people imaginable to work with. Coming the common enemy isn't a great leadership skill. One day on our, uh, just at work, we just sat there doing nothing for a whole day, getting high, talking shit about him. Because we just had so much shit. And that's kind of how I feel like they were going. It's kind of like that guy in uh, Band of Brothers. I mean, she also has the weirdest parental leave policy on Capitol Hill. Explain that. Okay, uh, when you take uh, time off to, you know, deal with your new kid, you're then required when you return to remain in the office for three times as many weeks as you've been gone. That's bad. Yeah, that's not psychotic. And uh, you're required to pay back the money you earned while you were on parental leave. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, that's good temperament. <laughs> That's her, that's her policy. <laughs> How's that for temperament, Democrats? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to send me the link to that information because that's that's criminal, honestly. Okay. Um. Yeah, it might actually. Yeah, that does sound like it violates a lot of labor laws, which I wouldn't put past her. Actually, I wouldn't put it past any politician. But yeah, she I, literally bullies her subordinates. She's probably gonna break a lot of labor laws or try. Okay, I'm uh, just grabbing the citation real quick. Um, although I would, while I'm doing this, I would like to point out one of the things that's always really interesting. Yes, the best news source ever. There's an interesting reversal of two power dynamics here. There's not just the uh, traditional gender role of the domineering man and the nurturing woman, but also that of boss and subordinate, where... All of her staff members are now relishing the power they have in dishing out shit over the internet, telling all of these news companies all of the things about her, especially because uh, she was known to obsess over every media portrayal over her and just absolutely lose her shit 
when somebody said something bad about her. It's like uh, Donald Trump for the left, except she's educated and not as stupid by any measure. Actually, I want to take that back. She's just a fucking asshole. She's not like Donald Trump. It's like Donald Trump if uh, Donald Trump was competent, smart. Um... Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of like decent qualities in there. But as far as temperament goes, man, the the gap between the two, it's very, it's not too wide. I can't imagine uh, she's making the cut, but he's not. Yeah, uh, this is the article. It's New York Times. Oh, even better. I mean, it's not quite as good as InfoWars, but it's close. I'm just glad it's a source that certain people wouldn't disregard automatically. Well, I mean, the other side's going to disregard it if it was against them. No, they're not going to on this. <laughs> they're going to be like, look, even the New York yeah. Times says it. Not totally. Uh, I've uh, really, really enjoyed watching the most insane conservatives on my timeline um, talk about how the um, news is now fawning over uh, AOC because they're trying to get rid of the old guard of Democrats and replace them with these far left people and i'm just like no 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 that the aocs and the bernies would really hurt their bottom line they're just it's the same things with trump they're attention horse anything that brings them traffic anything that gets people talking about them anything that gets them shared is their bottom line but because these people think of the media as one giant left-wing conspiracy they're completely incapable of understanding that there's a good amount of left bias in the media, though. There is, but... It's not concerted or anything. It's not like they're organized. It's just, you know, how it lands. They're more educated people, and educated people tend to be leftists. You're not going to find a lot of dumb rednecks running news stations. Well, not only that, you don't expect a lot of conservative-minded people to join journalism in the first place. They're more about getting that cheddar. Exactly. They're more about, like... You know, just mechanical issues and everything. I shouldn't even be that specific. It's just you don't normally see them in those settings, so naturally the media's going to swing left a little bit. Here's the thing, though. It's a very specific strain of leftism. Uh, it tends to be this whiny, overly sensitive, really love strong love for institutions and what's proper strain of leftism. Like, it's the tipper gore. Conformist. Leftist. It's most people who don't even need to think about anything. They just need to support a certain way of life. That's why they like focus on mannerisms. Like you could criticize Trump for so many things, and they want to talk about stupid stuff that doesn't even matter. Yeah, like his mannerisms are um, one of the most amusing things to me about him. Not even part. Some of them I enjoy. Like I think it's good for a president. Like I what? Agree. Like how he's short with people or like he'll actually offend you. You know, other people are way too cordial. It's just, it's too, it feels like your boss almost. Phony, manufactured. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't come across as sincere in any way. Gotcha. And not everyone can pull that off too. Like with Trump, you're actually going to believe it. With If Joe Biden starts cursing a little bit, you're going to be like, okay, man, come on. He says, dag nabbit. <laughs> he taps into a certain authenticity that only works for people who are like that if jeb bush just started talking about grabbing people by the pussy you would roll your eyes and that could actually tank his career but because donald trump is a complete piece of shit you judge him on his own moral standards no hell no 
Well, and it's not just that. A lot of a lot of people that support Trump are like, yeah, of course they do. He was rich and famous. Who wouldn't? Well, to be fair, he didn't exactly explain a scenario where women didn't want it. He said, and they let you. So, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I don't think every woman. I wanted think that's it, a cop out. Saying he never actually described cop out of what it's his words. I know it's his words. I mean, if you're going to fall, but you're relying on his words to draw that inference. Why can't we rely on them to draw what I would say is closer because to of the order in which he said it, though. What he was he saying. said, you can just go up there and grab him by the pussy and they let you like it's it's he did it first and then they got the permission. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they were willing. I'm just saying his description is not. I'm just explaining that. why the other why people view it the way they do. It's the same thing with the whole Mexican debate. Like they send us their rapists to criminals and everything else. Okay, yeah, definitely. And I assume some of them are good people. Like so that makes it seem that makes it sound oh most of them are bad. Yeah, like he's being objective. Yeah. So here's kind of the funny thing about that. Um I think because of the language like squag up grabbing by the pussy, that's what people latched onto. Everything he said before that was much worse. It was just less yes, vulgar. It was. And, that, and that's the other thing. Everything that yeah, came before exactly. that. So people latched onto it because it sounded really sexist and jock, jockish and locker room talk and like all other stuff that people don't really want to like admit that they do. But the things before it were like, yeah, I just I, was, I moved on her like a bitch. Like, really? What the fuck are you talking about, dude? That's such a weird way to explain it. I moved on her like a bitch. Okay, he's talking about a married woman. He's saying, yeah, I moved on her like a bitch, blah, blah, blah. I failed, blah, blah, blah. But um, when you then start talking about how I just walk up and start kissing them and grab them by the pussy and they let you do it, it's like, well, she rejected you. So it's not like, yeah, this is something exactly. all consensual. If you acknowledge you failed, but nobody ever dissects that part. What they want to dissect are the words, walk up, grab him by the pussy. That's not the worst part of that speech by any stretch of the imagination. Let's go ahead and bring it back to Kobolchar, because I think there's a couple of things that we didn't talk about. Uh, for instance, Kobolchar has a lot of uh, ideas about regulating big tech and antitrust um i'm actually less familiar about that can you uh explain some of that to me so uh just to make a a, a complicated story shorter basically she is a digital privacy rights advocate she's been pushing for a lot of similar legislation not in this not exactly the same as what the european union passed but similar things where you can have more control over your your data and people can't just suck it up for whatever they want it for and she is kind of against the whole uh integration from like facebook buying whatsapp and instagram and everything else um so she's one of the supporters um i'm not sure if it's a bill yet or if it's just a movement and hushed whispers but that are trying to rein in the era of big data correct i think it's democrats trying to look progressive i think most of them don't even support what they're talking about don't get me wrong there are some antitrust uh concerns with facebook buying up all their competitors to stay relevant but uh, certain things like Google, they split into a holding company called Alphabet, and that all those concerns are taken care of. Um, yeah, a lot of what we're seeing are giant monopolies spring up around your data, 
and you're starting to see where all of these uh, companies are becoming heavily invested in manipulating you. And we've gotten to the point where advertisers were so good at selling their vision to Congress about what they should be able to do that they're going to have an unprecedented sort of power over us uh, as you unlock more and more of what people think and how to influence them. As you see things like the Koch brothers um, just going through giant data rolls of everyone in a town figuring out who are the most susceptible to their messaging and then having people go out to those people, knock on their doors, and tell them about all the evils of public transportation. There's something Machiavellian about this on a societal harm level. I don't see it as that. I think it could be fine as long as these like uh, companies don't have too much access to information like wasn't they Facebook have a companies way too much that was part of the election scandal yeah that that was part of the uh one of the things that she actually worked on was the um fair let me honest ads act which is what makes um facebook and and youtube and everything else that has political ads have to put who bought them up as well but facebook twitter google instagram reddit they all collected in in ornament amount of data it is just ridiculous how much information they have about you and how well they are at guessing who you are based on how you post and things you like i signed up for that i know exactly well i don't know exactly actually what i gave them but i also know that i waived all that and said have it i don't i think most people actually don't understand the implications of this that is why you had people freak out over snowden when he's like wait they they have my nudes because they don't understand how this this stuff works they they think oh i'm clicking a like on facebook and then facebook will show me more of the stuff that i like yeah that's cool but they don't they don't go the step ahead like well now an advertiser knows that i like this post and then therefore can create an ad tailored to me to do this that's a good thing though there's nothing bad about that <laughs> there's nothing harmful either about it i want some clarification on uh, what mateo meant who's who's the wrong party in these situations you guys are acting like someone's actually being damaged it's the potential for abuse if they know all this stuff about you and they know how much of the more about you than you might know about yourself then they can manipulate your opinion and tell you what to think uh i mean they could definitely influence me but i'm probably susceptible to those messages to begin with but then they know what kind of messages you're susceptible to and that's what okay so hypothetically they can go after just me and make well me and a lot of other people and cement our already probable i wouldn't votes. say probable i would be i would say that they would be able to push certain buttons that would make you make you entrench yourself in a way that you necessarily wouldn't be otherwise and this is kind of what the trump team did i mean physically possible it i mean just finding out people's interests and advertising to that is just a better way of delivering these messages i don't see any harm like what's going to happen you keep saying like they know about you a lot about you but it's like like what's the damage who's getting damaged other than hypothetically maybe can happen in the future do you have something to add, Matthew? Yeah, actually. Um, for one thing, I have a question by what Mateo means by not access your data. Wait, what's that? 
you said you don't want these companies to be able to access your data? Uh, I pro well, no, they don't want to allow too much access to our data. Like there should be limits. There should be certain things that like, it's just not relevant to their business. So why would they have access to certain information? Can you give me some examples? Yeah. What Facebook did during the election, it was actually kind of a scandal. They just, their advertisers or whatever. And the Russians exploited this. They just gave them way too broad information. It was like, have at it. There you go. Instead, it should have been partitioned. They should have been relevant to the business. They fraudulently they claim to be even. I think it's a bit more complicated though than that because there's there's whispers about the Trump campaign working with with handing over data to Russians through Manafort and Mercer. And Mercer got a hold of that uh, data by getting an academic to say he only wanted it for um, a university study. And he was, and he bought that information from the university. So the academic actually used it for those purposes, but then it was back channeled through the university in order to. It, it was, it's complicated. It's very complicated. Sounds to me like it's separate from the issue of actually these companies collecting data for honest business purposes. So, sounds actually like a guy committed fraud to get it, which is a encouraging sign for my argument. I don't think it's very encouraging. Um... So here's the funny thing about data. Data is bought, sold at such a regular amount that it's pretty much impossible to get under control. This is international. Once one company has your data and starts selling it to other companies, well, all of these companies now have a lot of information about you. And if you demand one of them wipes everything they have of you, that doesn't stop everyone they sold your data to, that doesn't stop them from even inadvertently buying data back on you. Correct. I, I, don't, I still don't see who's damaged. Like, if in the future something bad keeps happening, I don't mind regulating it then. But I'm just saying what's happening now other than my ads are a lot more relevant to my interests. Well, for one thing, companies, uh, especially political operatives, are getting very savvy about manipulating people down to a precision drone strike level. And as more and more research starts taking hold about how to get better and better play different levers on who you are and what you believe in and what makes you tick, what responds to you, it's almost analogous to a soft mind control. And advertising has always been like that to some degree. But as you learn more and more about people, what makes them tick, all the little intricacies of each person, which big data is going to give us, it becomes getting a lot further away from the soft forms of mind control and into something somewhat more dystopian. Well, they have every right to try to manipulate me however they want, and that's fine, and I might fall for it. And But in the future, if they do control people in the way you were explaining, I would be open to talking about it like it's a problem. But right now, I'm not seeing any damages to any parties. I'm just seeing good ads. I think you're waiting too long. Yeah. Uh, well, I should wait. Until the actual damage hits. Yeah, I should react. Yeah, exactly. I don't want that's like the preemptive uh, 
strikes that everyone was so happy about with Bush. Okay, um, let me... So if you wait until they get so good at it that it is extremely... They're not going to control their minds, man. Any more than they do now. They're just going to be more discriminate about it instead of just broadcasting it broad all over the country. No, it's no, they're going to get better and better and better and better at it. They're they're going to get better and better and better at it. And what you're advocating is wait until they get extremely, extremely fucking good at it and then try to write it in? No, I'm saying that that might not ever happen. And so we should wait instead of just build laws of these hypotheticals. I think you're entitled to how your data is collected. And I really think that the way that we've gone about it right now has not given the control enough to the people who is actually creating the data. That's fair. And that also ties back to what happened with Facebook too. Like there are areas where we can focus, but I really don't see data collection as a long-term problem at all. Not yet, at least. I'm open to change. I actually think it's better. It's created a lot of jobs even. It's done a lot. Like I said... I think that we should have more control over the data that's collected. And I honestly think having a let me delete you or delete me thing should be possible. I was actually going to talk about that. Yeah, they call that, uh, what is it, right to be forgotten, I think, in Britain? In the European Union, correct. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I would look into that. So wait, you don't think as um, advertisers get more and more knowledge about you, get more and more data about what makes up who you are they're not gonna gain more and more leverage over you no i think they are and i think it's their prerogative and for good reason they should try their damnedest to get me to buy their shit and you don't see any potential negatives to this to having levers of control mostly being um, these massively rich data companies and whoever has enough money to buy them and I also think letting people drive fast cars will eventually lead to someone misusing them, but that's not enough. And on a larger scale than you are probably going to see with mind control, mind you. So. Yeah, but um, Sorry, I'm for things like uh, self-driving cars and heavy investment in that, just specifically to mitigate uh, the problems with people driving too fast. And that's not going to be perfect, but it's going to get better and better and better. Um, I don't think that you're actually even looking to address the potential conundrums here. Oh, no, I acknowledge them as potential. I think that Mateo's thing is that he's willing to wait longer than either of us are. Yes, like you guys are willing to wait long on a lot of things and for good reason. It's just this one thing is like, it sounds scary. It's very abnormal to what we're used to in our way of life. But once it gets normalized, we're probably we're going to sound like but old people perhaps. complaining about this stuff in 10, 30 years, 20 years. I mean, we might, but that doesn't necessarily make it good or bad. But laws will be different. And like you guys say, there could be and will be. So uh, I'm going to go ahead. Let's. Does anybody else have anything to add about Korbochar? Or are we good on that topic? She bullies her subordinates, and it's pretty noteworthy. All right, so for the last course, a little bit of sweetness before we end the cast is the fact that uh, we're going to talk about Williamson, the Crystal Warrior.
Who? Who's that? Williamson, the 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 one that's been on Oprah all the time. Oh yeah, the Oprah person. What's she doing? She's running for president. Apparently, I guess. Um. So basically, she's her whole platform is the most leftist shit imaginable. Um, you know, it's past citizenship, gun control, extreme environmentalism, Green New Deal, Medicare for all, $15 an hour minimum wage, tackle school debt. She wants to give everyone reparations, and she's skeptical of the Israeli-Palestinian relationships, and um, she's also a New Age Deepak Chopra author who just seems to want to be sitting around telling you whatever you want to hear. Sounds like a useless candidate. No, no, no. She's um, going to hopefully be one of the most entertaining. I'm really interested in hearing her thoughts on Whole Foods and GMOs, Whole Foods. Wait, Whole Foods? She's one of those people that you can see in Whole at Whole Foods hawking wares in order to get wellness. She's a spiritual New Age author who goes on Oprah. I, I assume she loves Whole Foods. I got you. So she's running for president. In a CNN interview, apparently she called for $100 billion to be paid to African Americans for reparations with $10 billion per year distributed over 10 years. Yeah, and then when she got on The Breakfast Club, surrounded by um, black people, she automatically upped it Wow, to around a half a trillion, which is... Uh, Something so blatantly manipulative, I think it needs to be pointed out. Like, she just wants to tell people what they want to hear. I'm just amazed that she's actually up there and she's got enough support to be on the debates. This is completely <laughs> absurd. I mean, she's a best she's a best-selling author, right? So basically, she just asked everybody to bought her book to donate a dollar. Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> so dumb, though. <laughs> I, I mean, she's probably going to get on Oprah for her uh, campaign stomping. Follow me again. next time as my next book on the campaign I'd trail talk about where it. I found Jesus and crystals. No, it's funny you mentioned Jesus because I was actually reading some of her old stuff on Jesus and she just starts saying this weird stream of nonsense about how Jesus is the Christ essence that pervades us all. He's the Holy Spirit, blah, blah, blah. And she just goes into this loving tirade about how he's this magnificent prophet, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, she's like, but even though I've experienced him, it's never brought me closer to Christianity. I'm um, still Jewish. It really comes across as some Deepak Chopra level of just mindfuck bullshit. None of it stacks up. Yeah, I think she just likes to say very appealing things to broad audiences, and it works generally, or it works usually like in a one-on-one situation, but I feel like people are going to be able to notice it and make great beams out of it as well. Okay, if you manage to pull this off on Oprah, it probably works more than just one-on-one. What I think it really... Sure, she had not, She said nonsense about the Israeli-Palestinian peace process, though. Like, 
Why? So I didn't save her exact quotes on it. Uh, can you elucidate me there? Uh, I didn't spend as much time as I should have researching her because I just don't, I want her to surprise me by when she gets up on the debate stage. So according to Axios, uh, the Israeli-Palestinian priest process, she said, I don't think the ultimate answer will be about settlements or checkpoints. Williamson told a Jewish news site, the work of the genuine peace builders must be on the level of the heart. She added that the U.S. must return to where it can be considered an honest broker to play a useful role. I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Deepak Chopra quote. I bet she ran it through one of those Deepak Chopra gen generators you can find online. To be fair, it's fairly standard politics. Most politicians do say they? bullshit like that. They say bullshit. It's so bad. But do they, it's not do they really say it must level. be on the level of the In heart? Very, yeah, often they do. Uh, I bet you I could find some crazy shit like uh, that. Yeah, they... Right-wingers especially. They will say stuff like that. Right-wingers love to appeal to shit like that, like spiritual. God's not dead, damn it. We should really try to get her on the podcast. Nah, she's... Got it. I might be able to get some politicians on the podcast. Yeah. Texas, um, we could get politicians definitely. Okay, get us Ted Cruz. I can't do that. Hi, man. Ted Cruz would not let me within five feet of him. He'd take one look at my Facebook page and he'd be like, "Nope." As dumb as he is, he's prime time. I mean, yeah, especially after all the restraining orders. What restraining orders? It's okay, man. You can tell us. But yeah, <laughs> Williamson <laughs> is horrible. We shouldn't even consider her. Well, that concludes our show. You'll eventually be able to find us on your favorite podcast host. In the meantime, please send us a like on our page and join the group and share the cast with friends. Our page and group is Crowdsourced Politics on Facebook. We hope to see you on our next show. Until then, keep your head up through the political storm.